Over 30 years of advice for your house, home, castle, or cabin. Y'all have things you want to get done. It's Rosie on the House. And welcome back, y'all, to Hour 3 of Every Arizona Homeowner's Happy Place. We're here to answer any question you have about your house, home, castle, or cabin. We have a couple people actually held on through top of the hour break. They've been holding for a while. We're going to get to them really quick. If you have a project you're trying to get done around your house, don't hesitate to call us toll-free at 1-888-767-4348. 1-888-767-4348. Had a great time last week. We broadcast live from the Book Festival, Festival of Books. Uh, the UA campus in uh, Tucson, and uh, got a lot of very positive feedback of that encounter. Actually, got a letter. Uh, actually, got several letters uh, addressing what people have apparently are coming to the conclusion that I'm a book hoarder. Uh, and I got a lot of sympathy letters from people saying, "Yeah, way to go, man!" Uh, one woman actually wrote me and told me a tactic and a strategy and a perspective and a way to focus on identifying books to forward to someone else, to sell, mm. to thin out the huge collection. So I found, I found her input particularly interesting as well. Well, let's see if we can get to some of these callers because, like I say, some, a couple of them have held on really quick, a really long time. Let's bring Bill into the conversation see how we can help Bill around his house. Good morning, Bill. Good morning. What you up to today? So what I, well, I'm looking to put up a steel building on uh, this piece of property that I have. Okay. It's going to be about, um, it's going to be 3,000 square feet, 50 by 60 uh, on a pad. Okay. And so we're talking about a monolithic type pad. Well, I got one, a quote from a concrete guy, and I also got a quote from the cement company, the cement company gave me a hundred uh, price for a hundred and sixty dollars a yard. I need forty yards, so that's a, let's say seven thousand dollars. The uh, installer or the concrete guy gave me a price of thirty-eight thousand um, dollars, pretty much, you know, from start to finish. I need to know why I'm paying thirty-one thousand dollars more for his labor. Well, how much grading is he having to do, Bill? We're going to. Um... What what's the condition of the lot? Do we have extensive grading that needs to be done to get this building no, slab placed? No, it's a it's a it's a flat lot. Well, for three thousand square feet, and his quote was how much? Thirty-eight thousand. And that included the concrete, the seven thousand for the concrete. That's correct. Uh, thirteen bucks a foot. Um, that seems a little aggressive, Bill. <laughs> um, I would think so, also. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm at the early, very, I'm at the very early planning stages. So okay. I haven't pulled a permit yet. So I'm okay. putting the numbers together. I got an idea of what the steel building is going to cost, and um, so I'm putting it all together. But when he hit me with that price, where? Like, you, wow, give me, now, give me, now I'm really going to have to shop. Give me some cross streets of where this is going up. It's going to be 185th Avenue in Waddell. Okay. So right. I'm out here in the, on the, in the West Valley. Okay. Um, well, I would certainly encourage you to get another quote. I'd give you my concrete guy. Um, 
But he's so intent on retiring, I have to beg him every time I want him to do another job for us, and we're actually having to try and search new concrete people ourselves. But uh, thirteen bucks a foot is um, that's that's a, that's a little aggressive, even even in today's standards. That's uh, that's aggressive unless there's an extensive amount. And what you're going to want do done is the footings excavated, leveled, compacted. You're going to want the ABC laid in there, four inches thick, again, leveled and compacted. You're going to want to hit it. I know it's a steel building, but I tell you what, uh, Bill, I'd still termite pre-treat the whole thing. Termite pre-treat the whole thing and then pour it. Uh, when we pour concrete, you generally get it from the batch plant at 2,500 PSI. We like to ask them to take that to 4,000 PSI for everything. It's only a couple more bags of cement. It's not any more expensive. It gives you incredibly more wear resistance on the surface of your slab. And, um, of course, they're going to have to form it and strip it and all of that. But uh, still, thir- the 13 bucks a foot is a little aggressive, Bill. I appreciate the call. Hopefully, with a little bit of shopping and one phone call, um, we're going to be able to save you a little bit of money. Off the top, and I know you know it changes week to week, especially the concrete demand with all the commercial building right, that's right. going up. What would you expect in your line item if you were putting in concrete? Well, we're—I mean, we're—we're we're generally figuring about eight to nine fifty. Okay, a foot concrete, mm-hmm. start to finish. And some of our remodels are fairly small, so this, you know when you. But when you're up at three thousand square feet, you, you, little economy cost of economy there. I mean that's a big pour. You're gonna you're gonna bring a whole. You're gonna form it, bring a whole crew, get it done. You got you got three or four days getting ready for a pour that size between excavation and sheep foot compacting your monolithic footing base and getting the ABC put in there. But anyway. Let's get a second estimate, Bill, and take it from there. There you go. Uh, where do we go now? Shall we go to Miss Susan? And she's going she's gonna to keep us out in the West Valley as well. Susan? Yes, I'm here. Okay. I'm listening to the lady story with the garage. Oh, Julie? Julie called last hour, yeah. Yeah, and I have been watching a crack in my garage ceiling for a long time. It's the entire length of the garage. So I thought maybe if it fell down, there would be a piece of drywall there. But I didn't think there was all kinds of things that might be falling down with it. Because the same thing is happening in my kitchen. A great room, I guess you could call it. And how old is the house, Susan? I think it was built in 2005. Okay. Um, well, you know what Julie did? She she was able to take some pictures and text them to Jennifer. And, we, we and that's I already did. done. I've got it here. Oh, okay. And I mean these are I don't, they're very straight. Okay. But, I mean they're they're pencil lead thin. Well, I think we yeah, I, I think yeah, we give I thought it was the seam of the drywall I assume. Okay, Susan, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to give you uh our most experienced drywall repairman, uh Rick Thompson. Um uh, and let's have Rick just come by and take a look at it. He's going to be able to tell by the crack as to whether it's something serious or if it's just some thermal um, motion at all. So let's let's put Susan on hold. We'll get Rick Thompson's phone number, get Rick out there and have, have him take a look at it. And hopefully it's 
Nothing worse than that. Al's calling from Tucson, getting getting him from all over the state today. Let's go to Al. Good morning, Al. Welcome to the program. How may we help you? Good morning, Al. Okay. Well, we can come back to Al. Oh, here. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Rosie, remember me from last week? Uh, I met a lot of people at the at the Festival of Books. <laughs> I, I need. I'm the guy that had the spalling problem. Oh, down at the base of your uh, on the top of your stem wall with the um, uh, uh, brick, the brick That's line. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Now I remember That's you. Right. I am just uh, paying the tradesman that dug it out. I've, I've dug all the way down, and then I dug further, just like you suggested. Okay. Uh, quite a dig, Rosie. Yeah, yes. But it's all yeah. done. Yeah. I'm okay. for the Thero seal. Okay, perfect. All right, well. Now, Rosie, I, did, I didn't use a contractor. Um, I paid the guys to dig it, and I'm thinking I'm going to try to clean that wall, wash it and clean the wall, and then apply that stuff. Um, what do I have to think about when I apply that stuff? How thick do I put it on, given that my uh, base uh, brick has degraded? Do I throw that over the brick, or do I put mortar on first and then put the thero seal on? No, I tell you what I would do, Al. Um, uh, as the, I remember drawing you pictures of how to dig it and where the footing is going to be and the stem wall and all of that. I'd go all the way to the top of the footing all the way down the stem wall. You can apply it with what's called a mortar wash brush. So it's a big, big, heavy, very bushy brush that once you have it mixed up, you just dip it in the bucket and brush it on. Uh, you can trowel apply it. You can actually mortar brush it on and then hit it with a trowel when it's done to just kind of smooth it off a little bit. Get it on there at least a good quarter inch thick. Uh, and I would, given the amount of deterioration the bottom row had on it. I would carry that Thuraseal all the way up to the top of that first row of brick to stop the moisture from getting in there. Uh, and and I, you know, then you can paint it when it's all dry. So congratulations on getting the dig. That's always the biggest part of the job. Uh, I'll. I'll, I'll never forget the day I dropped Romy and his brother off at a house on the side of Camelback Mountain, and I told him I need the uphill side of that house excavated down to the foot from the east end to the west end and uh, left him with a jackhammer, and I then I had to go to a business meeting. <laughs> and the rumor also has it that the rest of that job was completed with heavy machinery. <laughs> Uh, we had to get it started anyway. Okay, we've got a historic home in Phoenix. Are we we gonna do. Need, we're going to need to take a break first. I, um, here I am jumping through phone calls and ignoring the clock. So, Well, if you have a question, now's a great time to get on the line as we just cleared a few calls. one 767 rosie for you And we've got a pair of Coyotes tickets to give away. Text uh, is how we'll do it. The text number is 411923, and the question is, which Coyote player made history this week? And I'll give you a hint. It wasn't for anything that was done on the ice or during the game. 
had to do with a trade deal. And this, this is for next Thursday, March 16th. Puck drop is at 8 p.m. as the Coyotes host the Canucks. Which Coyote player made history this week in a trade? Sunday, Monday, happy days. Tuesday, Wednesday, happy days. Thursday, Friday, happy days. Saturday, what a day. Moving all week with you. We got the calls loaded up here. Shall we go down to Oro Valley? We do, and as we get there, we do have a winner. Nick Ritchie was traded for his brother, Brett, the first set of brothers to ever be traded in NHL history. That's an interesting sport tidbit. Yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> Two different teams trading brothers? We had a lot of answers, but That's only great. one correct answer, and she was a previous winner, but that was all the way back to 2017. So she does apply again, and we'll be sending them to Elizabeth. Thanks for tuning in, and congratulations. Enjoy the game. Let's awesome. get down to Oral Valley and bring in, is it Steve? That's Steve over there. Steve. Hi there. How can we help you, Steve? Well, I'll tell you, after a year of looking, I found my forever home, and the darn thing's got a flat roof. Okay, all right. Yeah, I hate the concept of a flat roof. Uh, And um, I need to put a roof coating on it. Okay. And I've been quoted... Oh, like $9,000 for a 30-year roof or $5,000 for a five-year roof. And wondering what you think. Well, let me let me get a little more information. How old is that forever dream home you have found? How old is it? It's uh, 21 years. Okay. And I would suspect down in Tucson, that's probably an original roof that maybe has been coated once already would be maybe my assumptive guess. Okay. Okay. Um, and you're looking at just simply getting it recoded. Right. Okay. We're not currently experiencing any leaks at all? No. Okay. Um, and and uh, there's a question here about parapets. What What – is it a three-sided parapet well, yeah. that all sh- <laughs> all sheds off the back, or is it parapets all the way around? Well, you know, the parapets are all around, and that was another question I had for you, but I'll save that until after we're done with the roof coating. Okay. Well, uh, Pima County is the roof coating capital of the world, and they've probably come as close to perfecting that process as anybody. Um, with a quote of about, uh, $9,000, I would guess you must have about 2,500, 2,600 square feet of roof area. Is that close? Yeah, I would think, yeah, it's close to 3,000, I believe. Yeah, okay. Um, before, I, I, b- 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 before I would recoat the roof, and I know it's popular in Tucson. I know it is. I get it. Um Steve, I'd do a couple things. I I can tell you that they, in Pima County, they have not historically liked spray foam roofing. When I bought my house in Tucson, I brought my spray foam contractor from Phoenix and made him spray foam that roof. It tickled me to death. That I checked that home when I was there last week, and that roof now is about fifteen years old, eighteen years old. Uh, I like it. 
It's seamless. Uh, it buys you some insulation that a lot of the Tucson flat roof homes are 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 missing a little bit of. Uh, and you have an elastomeric coating over the top that needs to be addressed about every seven to ten years, and you can get uh, twenty plus years out of that roof. Uh, it's going to be quite a bit more, but it'll be permanent. The prices you're getting for coating are about right for what you're being given. I'm not as big a fan of roof coating as a lot of roofers are in Pima County. I would go to rosellnows.com, take a look at the roofers we have certified in Pima County, and get a couple of them out there and take a look and see what they recommend. One is going to recommend and have foam available, and the other one is going to have a, 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 a kind of a PVC roll product that he really, really likes and works very well. So get a couple quotes from the Rosie Certified Roofers and see where you can go from there. Uh, do we have time to sneak in one more? Let's at least get it started. Patrick in Phoenix with a historic home. Good morning and welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing? Good. Uh, good. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I have a house uh, in central Phoenix. I want to put a carport. Uh, I want to install a carport. Currently, there's like a two-and-a-half car. I guess you'd call it a garage. It's got like a sliding barn door, but it's not really functional as a garage. Uh, and so we've got, you know, a lot of stuff, and it's only about a 1,300-square-foot house. So what I'm wanting to do is is add a carport, and since it's a historic home, I know that uh, there's going to be uh, some regulation to that. Uh, I'm also concerned about the setback because um, it's a corner lot, so the driveway is actually very short. It's three cars wide, uh, but it's it's very short, so any carport that I would put on there would likely go to the sidewalk. Okay. Now, some of my other neighbors have they they put wall you know they put walls, uh, gates, and things like that all the way to the sidewalk, but their address is not on the even though their driveway is on the same street their actual home address is on a different street hang on patrick so, hang on patrick we're going to have to break here for bottom of our news but i hope you've got a pencil handy i'm going to tell you to call uh an architect who is probably the premier expert on historic maricopa county remodeling the man's name is don ryden and his office is 602-253-5381 I'll pay for the initial consult, but he's going to be able to answer all your questions off the top of his head with blindfolds on and one hand tied behind his back. Well, there I was bragging last hour about we send the newsletter out and we tell y'all what we're going to cover during the program. But then every once in a while, we get so many callers on the show, we never get to what we said we were going to get to. And one of the things that's in our newsletter is one of the most remodeling, popular remodeling requests we get. It's not one of the most popular we do, but it is definitely one of the most popular that we get. Those of you that are in the 1970s, 1980s, 1990s, Arizona ranch-style home, you have a 6-foot wide, 7-foot tall, or 6, 10-foot tall uh, patio sliding door that goes out to a back patio. You step down to it. It's got a 10 by 12 patio cover on it, and you have to go all the way to the outside edge of the patio to take a look at that view 
that we blocked from the inside of the house when we built the home. So you want to create a, uh, a, a new gable roof? Let's lift the roof and let's make that back wall of the house glass. And there are a couple examples in the newsletter we sent out this week of projects we've done like that. Why wouldn't you want to bring that view right into the middle of your house? But I said it's one of the projects we get the most requested. It's not one of the ones we do very often because it is surprisingly expensive. A house uh, needs certain structural elements to hold it in place. It needs vertical load uh, down all the way down to your footing to carry the weight of the second story and or the roof and or both. So you got to be able to be able to support everything above your head from falling down, straight down. You do that with your two-by-four studs walls. You do it with your CMU exterior walls. You do it with your post and beam framing. You do it with your jam cuts on either side of every door and window. And you put headers up there to establish this ability of the home to carry the weight vertically. But what most people don't realize is when we have a severe wind, the house has to be able to withstand what we call shear. And your house acts like a sail when that wind hits it, and it wants to slide off its foundation. It wants to lay down flat. It wants the roof to come down, the walls to collapse, and flatten down. That's shear. And the more glass we put on your outside walls, the more engineering we have to do to eliminate risk of shear failure. So invariably, when somebody wants to take a six-foot-wide or eight-foot-wide patio door and make it a 14-foot glass wall that goes all the way up to plate height, we're saw-cutting concrete footings and foundations and expanding the load points on either side of that glass wall. We're putting in uh, vertical support posts. We're putting in a big header. And then from wherever those walls stop, wherever that glass wall stops to the next corner, out exterior corner of the house, we have to reinforce that wall to replace the sheer strength that you've lost by taking away all that structural wall and putting in glass. We had a client down in Gilbert that wanted to do this. And I, 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 I just, something, there was a very peculiar wall inside the house. And I said, you know, we better be careful because I think that's an interior shear wall. And sure enough, we got an engineer involved. And that project even took additional engineering and work to get done. So it's a very common request. It's not being done. It's not one of our most popular projects because there's a lot of things that need to be considered before you do it. All right, we've got a couple guys that have been on a whole long time waiting. Let's see if we can get to Bill in Scottsdale. Bill, thank you for being so patient, my friend. Good morning, Bill. Welcome to the program. All right, well, put Bill, we... on, put Bill on hold. We won't hang up, and let's go to John out in Litchfield Park. Hello, John. Well, good morning, and thank you for taking my call. You bet. How can we help you today? 
Well, I, I have a perimeter wall. Um, the length is uh, about 120 linear feet. It's parapet-like in that it goes from six to nine feet. It's decorative. It's actually on my property because at the time that I had it done, the adjoining neighbor didn't want to join in on it. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I discovered four years back um, two owners back from the neighbor that uh, they had actually raised the earth level on their side. Oh boy! They didn't get permits for it, I'm sure, but that's beside the point. However, the moisture yeah. um, is it, uh, penetrated the wall, and it's created um, a shedding of the uh, stucco up to the third block on the wall. Yeah. Uh, they closed off all the uh, the flow ports. And uh, because most of the moisture was caused by their back flushing of their saline pool, it, uh, it salted things. So I need to find a way, and I've, I've addressed it to the current neighbor, and they're amiable to me getting on their side of the wall to do work. Okay. I need to protect that wall and get those ports reopened. What am I supposed to do there, Rosie? Well... Uh, we took a call a little a few minutes ago from Al in Tucson, who actually met last week while we were broadcasting at the Festival of Books, who was, who was dealing with a similar problem, moisture damage down at grade. And what you're going to need to do is uh, you're going to have to excavate your neighbor's side of the fence, and you're going to apply a product called ThoroSeal onto the wall, and it is an epoxy waterproofing cement you can spread it on with a brush or a trowel. The good thing is, what's the stucco texture you have right now? Is it skip trowel or is it like a smooth sand finish? It's a sand finish. Okay. And, and his call actually prompted me to call. Oh, okay. So you're going to use the same product, Thorough Seal, T-H-O-R-O hyphen s-e-a-l comes in a bag it's powder you mix it with water and it's an epoxy based cement and you're going to apply that from the top of the footing you're going to have to excavate down to the footing down to the footing to eight inches above grade and that's going to lock all that moisture on your neighbor's side of the property there's nothing you can put on your side that i have ever found that will hold because the moisture is building up on his side. Hydrostatic pressure is pushing it through to your side, and you've got to stop it before it gets in the block. They they say there are products that will work on your side. I've never found one that works. You're going to need to deal with it on your neighbor's side the exact same way I coached out to fix it on his house down in Pima County. I hope that helps, John. Let's see if we can go back to Bill and see if Bill picked up yet. Bill, in Scottsdale. Hello? Hey, man. Hello? Yep. Hi. Hey. Sorry. So I have a home built in 1996 okay. with the original homeowners. My wife wants to replace the floor tile. It's the original ceramic. Okay. Uh, tile but there's a couple tiles that are loose luckily they're underneath the couch but there's cracks under there okay and it's causing the tile to come loose and uh-huh. there's a few places where i can hear like there's voids 
Yeah. You know, because like if I drop a golf ball, you can kind of hear like it, yeah. it echoes, you know, yeah. like it's not solid, you I know. Do. And do. it's a stem wall house, you know. Okay. So they just pour the stem wall and then they put some gravel down. Yeah. And then they just pour like a layer of concrete over the gravel. Right, right. So, well, well Bill, are you, are you, so if we get a, sorry. Are you, are you familiar with our website, rosieonthehouse.com? No, I haven't been on it. Okay. Uh, I would encourage you to get to our website, rosieonthehouse.com, and on the homepage it says find a certified partner. And you just put in there floor covering, put your zip code in there, and put and hit search. You're going to come up with a couple tile contractors, Bram Flooring and East Valley Flooring. I would have them come out and take a look at it and give you a proposal for the new tile. And they're not, because they're Rosie certified, they're not going to put new tile on top of a problem slab. But their experienced eye will be able to tell if it's a serious problem or it's one that's just got, uh, we, we may need to just put a slip sheet underneath the tile. But I will tell you this, when we're going into a remodel, and the house floor covering has to be removed. We always take a real hard look at that concrete slab. And if it has any cracks at all, we will call our termite treatment company and we will treat that crack because that crack is going to be forever conditions conducive for termite infestation. And they will drill both sides of that crack 12 inches on center and saturate that gravel that's underneath the concrete. It's called the ABC aggregate. They're going to saturate that area around the crack with termiticide and uh, forever protect that from becoming the conduit or the, the highway that termites can use to get into your house. So get in touch with uh, Vaughn at East Valley Floors or Mitch at Bram Flooring and have them come out and take a look at it. Put, let them put their eye of experience on the situation and chances are they'll be able to tell right there looking at it as to what the potential cause of the problem may be. Um, shall, we, shall, we, shall we just keep going? <laughs> we got two minutes. Let's do it. Okay. Susan calling from Phoenix. What's Miss Susan trying to get done? Hi, Rosie. Um, I have a, a kind of a serious question. Um, we had a mold issue in one home, and I had one child get so ill that he lost most neurological abilities and had to go in a wheelchair. Oh. So mold is a huge concern as we look for a home. We're getting ready to move into a new home. Okay. And just started working with a realtor. And I always hear about, you know, a lot of mold is because of cheap construction and, and whatnot. And I guess I just want to know how to look for a good home. Whew. Mold in Arizona most often is an indication of deferred maintenance um, or an or or a naive disorder that somebody didn't didn't know the moisture was accumulating. Well, I would, I would include a complete air sampling of a house given it's so highly critical to you and your family and they will actually test the air in the house and they will actually pull a syringe and stick a needle into the sheetrock and pull air out of the cavity 
in the wall and test various wet locations around the house to see. Um, I, 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 I wouldn't even consider, in your case, buying a house that wasn't absolutely completely tested for mold inside and out, as well as the exterior wall cavities and the wall cavities of any wet area, like a bathroom vanity, shower, tub, uh, laundry room, any of those. They, they, they do have companies that will do that. It's going to cost you a little bit of money, but, it, but that, that's not an issue. Let's just get it done. They, they do have the services out there. Uh, let's put Susan on hold, and we'll give her the name and number of a couple that she could trust and rely on. Which, go ahead. Did you want to? Did you want to do the Renaissance? Let's do it. We'll okay. The last set of Renaissance tickets, according to <clears throat> Glenn Richardson's book, Renaissance Monarchy. He states the most renowned kings of the Renaissance era was Holy Roman Empire Charles V, Francis I of France, and Henry VIII of England. All served as kings for over 30 years, but which one was king the longest? Charles, Francis, or Henry? Text that name to 411-923 of who you thought, think, held the their throne of king the longest and will... You're not, giving you the those, you're, you're not giving those tickets away easy, are you? All right. No, but it's only three. Anybody okay. can guess between three. Okay, all right. Very Charles, good. Francis, or Henry? I'm Henry the Eighth, I am. Henry the Eighth, I am, I am. I got married. That's to my guess. <laughs> She's been married seven times before, and everyone was an Henry. Henry. She wouldn't have a willy or a And you would be correct. Oh, really? <laughs> he served as king for 38 years, Francis for 32 years, and Charles for 37. Now, however, Francis and Henry both served till they died. If Charles would have held on for two more years till he died, he would have been the longest at 39 years. But he relinquished his, uh, I, I guess, he either they kicked him out or he said, I'm too old for this and retired or whatever, but... King Henry VIII for 38 years, and congratulations if the last four digits of your phone. And in 1695, you're the random right winner. Just email info at rosieonthehouse.com, the address you would like to send. Unlike our sporting tickets, these are actually paper uh, tickets that we got to drop in the mail to you. So send us an email of the address you'd like them sent, and we'll get them out to you. One of the things I love about being every Arizona homeowner's best friend is we get email all during the week. And... Having done the Festival of Books last week, uh, I got a letter from Annette in Desert Hills. And she says, morning, Rosie. My husband is laughing about you saying you have a wheelbarrow in your truck to fill with books while you're at the festival. I don't think my husband will ever take me there. I go to the book fair at the Phoenix Fairgrounds in February, and I'm afraid I have you beat. I fill a shopping cart till it's full and then start another one. Well, what kind of shopping cart? You can have those little <laughs> tiny skinny ones. Yeah, the little carry-all. Uh, I mean, come on. She talks about the fact that she does uh, donate her book. She does mention the fact that she has read one of the books that I've recommended in the past, one of the, one of the best books I've read in the last 10 years. It's an adventure book, uh, nonfiction about the fastest float down the Colorado River. 
through the Grand Canyon, and it's called the Emerald, Emerald Mile. Mile. Great book. Isn't that a good book? I'm going to read it again. Isn't I that a fun a, book to it's read? It's a terrific book. And uh, they held the record uh, up until about three years ago. So for about 30 years, they held the record as the fastest float through the Grand Canyon. It's an intriguing read yeah. back in the 80s when the when when they were actually putting plywood extensions on Glen Canyon Dam to keep the water from breaching over the top of the dam. The Lake Powell was filling so fast, and they had the bleed-off port wide open, uh, and the Forest Service actually closed. They took all the river guides off the river because it was so dangerous. And these guys put the boat in right there and said, okay, now we're going to do it. <laughs> and so that was a big key to why they did it so fast. Yeah. It was in the flood. Didn't they get arrested when they got through the dam? Uh, you know, I don't know. I know they tried to uh, get picked up a couple times, or they were they were the Forest Service was trying to pick them up, but they just kept going. I think that what now, was it five hours. It's a great book. So five who, or six hours to get to get it done. It was I, an insane I, amount of time. Who broke the record? A guy in a kayak from Flagstaff. Did he do it in a flood? Let off? I don't know. Oh. No, I don't think so. I'm curious now about the guy that beat that. I didn't think that ever beat. That, that was a great book. But Annette goes on to say that once a month, the Cave Creek Library has their book sale. My husband won't take me to town that weekend. <laughs> all right, Annette, so hang in there. I appreciate getting those kinds of letters from all of you. Uh, I'm still hanging on to this. I think a kayak versus a boat doesn't compare. Kayak's a whole lot faster than a boat. Well, I agree with you, and I kayaked uh, in my early youth in North Carolina. So the fa- you, you it's still can, the fastest yeah. boat time, I mean, yeah, maybe not the fastest kayak yeah, time. And, it, and it's the traditional John Wesley Powell rowboat. You know, a float, a float boat, the, yeah. the Emerald Mile. That was the name of the boat. It's a great read, the Emerald Mile. Hey, a couple things coming up. Uh, one, Jennifer and I have our, I think it's our 46th anniversary coming up in a couple weeks, babe. 45. Uh, is it 45? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple things going on that weekend I'd like to take you to. The Arizona Game and Fish Department is having their outdoor expo. Fun. And then we could go to the Sanderson Ford Rodeo in Cave Creek. I would love that. You know, the night of our anniversary, we could could learn archery at the Game and Fish Outdoor Expo. It's a great family event, folks. If you've never been, it's out at Ben Avery Gun Range, and it's a blast for your family. And then I'll take Jennifer to a bull riding event in the Cave Creek, and then then I'll take you for a hamburger and a glass of tea at Harold's. Both exits for those are all off of Carefree Highway. So that's just right. You're all right. Jump there. down Carefree yeah. Highway from one stop to the next. Yeah, folks, we enjoy being here for you every Saturday. It's our ongoing effort to become every Arizona homeowner's best friend. Don't get scared. We'll be back next Saturday. Until then, you can find us at RosieOnTheHouse.com.